Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family-oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, coming to you from inside of a bomb cycle. Uh, no, the sun's shining and the snow is all melting. It, it was completely overhyped this time. We're pretty much back to, to Tuesday's weather of the sun. Not quite 80 degrees, but Colorado, as they say, Colorado, you're drunk. Yeah, you know, the... The first bomb cyclone surprised me. It lived up. This is this is what I was expecting the first one to be. Just it, it, yep. a regular snowstorm that lasts like a little longer than most stars normally do. And a lot of the city sh- shut down for it. Turns out it didn't need to. When did we become so soft? <laughs> Once people started using the word bomb cyclone. I used to give people from other states so much grief. Because they would cancel school when a snowstorm was just like on the schedule. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? At least find out if it's actually going to snow that hard. And now that's us. And now we're with them. And that sucks. <laughs> but I hope some people got work off today. Or I mean, I can, the roads are literally dry. I can see them from here. <laughs> what a joke. Uh, anyways, the BSN Broncos podcast, as always, presented by Elixinol. And don't take our word on Elixinol. I'll take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever that is just one of Elixinol's many great non-THG products. What's more, 5% of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice. Visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. Um, I always throw the I, – I, I have like the um, squirt – I don't even know what it is. It's like a squirt bottle. And just throw five pumps into the, uh, the old protein shake in the morning. It's prime. Uh, the girlfriend just does the pill form, which she loves. She's she's like, she says that as soon as she takes it, a literal cloud just like leaves her mind. So, uh, and she she's dealt with post concussion syndrome, so it, it can help with so many different things. Uh, Elixinol, really great product. Uh, another place founded by um, uh, a CU Boulder grad. Oh wow, right up your alley. Wonder what uh, there feels to be a theme <laughs> developing here. Uh, anyways, as it relates to the Broncos, a little bit of news yesterday as Dwayne Haskins was here 
I was hoping maybe he got like snowed in and they just have to keep <laughs> hanging out with him, but the bomb cyclone let us down. Would they like that? Would they like to hang out with him for for longer? Hmm. Um Yeah, I think so. And how much Ryan, how much can you really fall in love or evaluate a guy in, uh, you know, less than a 24-hour period when he's in your building? And I'm not saying you can't. I don't know. I mean, do you believe in love at first sight or not? (laughs) (laughs) It seems what happened with John Elway and Drew Locke. That's that's very true. That is very true. I must say, I I don't think the Broncos are going to fall in love with, with Dwayne Haskins, but you can only you you can hope if you're in the in the group that wants the Broncos to draft a quarterback. If you if you want them to do that, if I were you, I would want them to draft Haskins. I feel like with these first round guys that they're looking at, not necessarily the later round guys, but the first round guys that they bring in for official pre draft visits, it's like love at first sight, or it's like okay. He's not our guy. I feel like there's just not much middle ground. When, when John meets with these guys, I feel like he either comes away like, oh my gosh, this is one of our finalists to be on the board, or oh, it was nice to meet him, and uh, he'll have fun somewhere else, uh, just like he, he talked about Lamar Jackson last year. In the middle round, guys, that's, that's where I really think uh, meeting with these guys takes, takes the place of that. And Ryan, did, did the Broncos meet with Paxton Lynch? and an official pre-draft visit? Hmm, I want to say no, but I can't be sure. And typically, the Broncos don't meet and have these official visits with the guys they end up drafting in the first round. Of course, Bradley Chubb they did not, uh, and and you can go down the list of other guys that they did not talk to. (sighs) If they had a visit, I I can't imagine that they had a a pre-draft visit with Paxton Lynch. Uh, and you really hope not, just because of Ryan. I don't think it would have taken a genius uh, to to talk to Paxton, have him in your building for a day or two, and realize that this isn't our guy. So the hope is that they didn't have him in. Uh, but also, kind of looking at recent history, is these pre-draft visits for the first round guys means the Broncos probably aren't going to take them. Yeah, didn't visit with Bradley Chubb. Didn't visit with Derek Wolf, as we learned. Didn't visit with Royce Freeman, as we learned the other day. Uh, it is not it is not as much of a big deal as people like to make it out to be. I don't think we make it out to be that, but a lot of other people do. Just, I mean, just listen to, Co- the, to Coach. He said, pre-draft visits may mean something. They may not mean something. And he admitted uh, that throughout his, his coaching tenure, not only have pre-draft visits not meant much, but when coaches go out to pro days or they send coaches to do private workouts, a lot of the time, that's just a complete smokescreen. And the Broncos have gone out to do visits with Daniel Jones and Clayton Thorson, so don't make too much of any of that. Everything, Just take everything with a grain of salt, no matter what. Unless you hear it here on this podcast, then you can take it straight to the bank. <laughs> and we're two weeks away from the draft, Ryan. Is that wild? I was looking at it, and if the Nuggets go into game six against the Spurs, which I personally don't believe will happen, um, it, it's on the first day of the draft. Mm, prime which sucks. time. Yep, that sucks for Nuggets fans. And us. Yep. <laughs> Um, and, and then it also sucks that the Nuggets and Avs both played 8.30 on Saturday night. That's kind of wild that 
the series starts this Saturday and it takes us all the way through the draft. If oh, it goes six games, NBA series are such a freaking joke. You get like a week off in between. I'll be thirty by the time the <laughs> NBA championship happens. It's uh, it's absolutely absurd. Through June, yes. Yep. I mean, we're sitting here. The playoffs. It's April eleventh. Yep. And there'll be damn fireworks going off at Coors Field by the time the NBA championship happens. Man, and it's the complete opposite with football. It's in and out. It's a month. I love that. Yep. March Madness gets it done quickly. <laughs> you know, eliminate the teams. Just get them out of there. If they suck, they're gone. Um, but NBA wants to have like three-night breaks between each game. Yeah, it's terrible. Really terrible. I couldn't imagine covering a sport where they have a week off in between their games. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty. I mean, I can't imagine covering a sport where you don't have to cover practice all the time. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you had mentioned that there is a new Mel Kiper mock draft, which gives us something to maybe like or maybe <laughs> complain about today. So let's do that. And with two weeks left, here's what. And, and, and typically, Ryan, sometimes there's some crazy things in the first mock drafts that these guys put out nationally or locally. And that's why I love that Andre waits until after the combine. And he waits he waits really long to put out his first mock draft because he doesn't want to have to change his pick 10 times just to change his pick 10 times uh, and, and to make a difference. So I love that he does that. But some of these other guys, I understand. ESPN hires Todd McShay and... Uh, and Mel Kuyper to be the draft guys. So they can't wait until, you know, April to put out their first mock draft. But I believe one of them in their very first mock draft had the Broncos taking uh, Marquise Brown. And uh, you and I tore that apart. Have we seen Mar- Mar- Marquise Brown linked with the Broncos in any way, in any mock drafts, in any resemblance, in anything? We sure have not. No. So it, it's, it's a little foolish. So my point is we're getting closer to the draft these guys' picks get more serious, and they actually try to give the right picks as we narrow in on this. And Mel Kuyper's two picks, he did a three-round mock draft for the Bron- or for every team. The first pick, Ed Oliver at 10 for the Broncos. Seems realistic, something we've been talking about, something where there's been steam to this picking up. Second round, Dalton Risner, Reisner. The Broncos land him in the second round. And third round, I want to say he he had the Broncos going Ryan Finley, quarterback. Yeah, yeah. miss me with that. So what do you think of the first two, though? You're the, you're quiet. The first two are great. Um, I still don't think Reisner, Risner, Dalton, <laughs> Colorado <Big> guy, <laughs> whatever it is, I don't think he's lasting that long. But if that were to happen, you should jump for joy as a Broncos fan. Now, Zach... How often have we said don't draft a player just to change positions? Often. Dalton Risner is a right tackle. Mm. So I guess the thinking, uh, I don't know what the thinking could be. Unless the thinking was move Juwan James to the left and put Dalton on the right. That is, and then Garrett Bowles, in this scenario, do you keep him as backup swing tackle or do you move him to right guard? Oh, Would you rather mess with a former first-round pick or a current <sighs> second-round pick? And here's what I just thought. What if, for some reason, you decided to – Dalton's on the right side at right tackle. Juwan James is on the left side at left tackle. 
You want to keep Garrett Bowles somewhat comfortable, so you put him at left guard and then bump uh, Ron Leary to right guard. That's a nightmare scenario. If you're putting him at left guard, you're not playing. You're saying Ron Leary's done, mm. in my opinion, and you're playing Connor McGovern. Oh well, no, no, <laughs> you wouldn't do that. You just wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. Get out of here. So uh, in, in your scenario, though, you're moving. Uh, so you're, you're keeping Dalton in his spot, so that's not moving. You're moving Juwan James, and you're moving Garrett Bowles. Yeah, I guess you got to move two. <laughs> so I guess the least movement, which just starts to make this make less and less sense, the least movement would be to put Dalton Risner at right guard. And I and agree. He can do it. It's just why? Why not just draft a guy who's played right guard his whole life? Right, exactly. It must just be because you – well, two reasons. You either feel like you have this tremendous value that you can't pass up because you viewed him as a, as a 15 to 30 type of guy in the draft and he fell because of his position, or it's because you actually don't have confidence in Garrett Bowles and you want a backup plan, and in the meantime, you want a, you want a good player. Okay. I, I guess if you do this, you're thinking more down the road. And Dalton Risner, guess what? He can also play center. Mm-hmm. So maybe you you play him there. Um, that's where a lot of you know pro scouts have projected him in his pro career. Again, I don't like that. He did play a little bit of center in college, and, and so you can go with that. It's just I think he plays right tackle. And that's where he's most comfortable, that he said it, you know, that he likes that the best. And I'm sure as soon as he gets drafted, he'll say, wherever they want to use me, I'm happy to be used. But in the end, I think you'll get the best results out of him at right tackle. And obviously, the Broncos don't have a need at right tackle. So I I guess you possibly draft him for versatility. But my thing is, if you're going to draft a right guard, just go ahead and draft a right guard. You had me feeling, or before this, I was feeling great about this combo Now I'm thinking, in college, there's a lot of offensive linemen uh, throughout the years that have played all five positions in college. There's a lot of offensive linemen that have been studs in two or three positions along the offensive line in college. When when they come to the NFL, you don't see that happen anymore. With those guys, um, you know, we're, we're not talking about Connor McGovern how he can play right guard, center, and left tackle. No, you don't you you don't talk about guys like that in the NFL. And I'm just I'm concerned if you just have if he's too much of everything that you don't have something, especially in the Broncos, where he probably I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he's bounced around the offensive line his first three years. And then at that point, is he still that second round pick that you wanted to be? Oh, you, you got me not feeling as good about this one anymore. I don't know. It's just uh, To me, it just doesn't make as much sense as, as it should with your second-round pick. So if Garrett Bradbury's there, you want that, he's your center, move on. That should be a no-brainer. Garrett Bradbury's the best center in the draft, and you have a need at center. Connor McGovern is there. The, the non-Bronco Connor McGovern, he's there in the second round. Sure haven't heard his name in forever. It's been a while. I've seen him mocked all over the place. I mean, he's been going early second to, I think I saw one a few days ago where he's going in the fourth. Yeah. But so if he's there, you know you know what you're getting in him. Penn State guy. Same as Mike Munchak. Mm, pounding on the table. Uh, I mean, in the end, just do whatever Munch wants to do. <laughs> if he yeah. says, I want Risner and he could play wherever, then I trust him. But... It just seems to me that you're just overthinking it 
if you're trying to go and take a guy and move him around, I mean, look, the Colorado thing really worked with Philip Lindsay. Um, it's also working for the Rockies with Cal Freeland. Keep our fingers crossed that he gets it back going, which I, I have faith in him for that. Um, it's a good – like, I love having players with local ties. It just feels like it means a little bit more to them. For so many people, you know, this is just an employer for them. Like, Philip Lindsay doesn't look as the, at the Broncos as his employer. He looks at them as a representation of, of his state and something that he loves very much. And I think Dalton would do the same thing. And, and so there's there's certainly some benefit to that. Not to mention he's a great football player. He has the attitude that you like on the offensive line. He's extremely uh, intelligent. But I just – I don't like in the second round just messing like just messing around and throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it works. After taking a step back, I like it. I like it again. But here's what needs to happen in order for me to like it if they go down this route. Draft night. After they pick him in the second round or the next day when they're introducing him, I want – Mike Munchak, Vic Fangio, or John Elway to say he's going to play and just name the position. I don't care which one it is. That needs to be established. Then, you know, you and I will have the follow-up question of, okay, well, then what happens to whoever position he took? What's going on there? And I want this established now. And realistically, it's probably not going to happen draft night. You're not getting it. I want it to happen in OTAs. I I don't want this. I mean, what was it? In week... Two years ago, in week seven, I think I was asking Vance Joseph, uh, so what are you doing at that right guard spot? Ah, we don't know. We're just going to continue to rotate him. You can't have that. And then last year, it took him a while to figure everything out. And then, of course, what, week 11 comes around, and, and they're saying, oh, I think we actually just found the right combination of our offensive line. That can't happen. I, don't, I want it set before training camp starts and then go from there. Because then you know what you have. Then these guys can get comfortable. Stop messing with them. And I actually think with Mike Munchak, there will be a lot less movement on the offensive line in a great way. Here's what's good. Well, here's what you. That's what you want. Here's yep. what you'd get. <laughs> what you'd get is we're going to give Sam Jones, Connor McGovern, and Dalton Risner all a look at center. We're going to give Connor McGovern. Sam Jones, Elijah Wilkinson, and Dalton Risner all a look at right guard. And we're going to pick two players for those two spots. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. That I guess if it's limited to two positions, it's a little better. But I would rather have it be Dalton's our right guard, Connor McGovern's our center, or vice versa. And then just in the back of their minds, if one of these guys blows it, then we'll be looking at Sam Jones as a second-string guy, seeing if he can play. But I just want it set as soon as possible. I'm with you. I'm with you. And and to me, there is a chance that they would say, Connor's going to play center, Dalton's going to play right. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe they really like Dalton at center. And maybe that's why they're, they're high on him at that pick and they don't feel like they're messing with him because they just say he's a center. Um, and, and then Connor goes back to right. I would prefer to have Dalton play at right guard just because I think he's a higher he's a higher caliber prospect and center while it's tough a position to play it's it's arguably one of the least important it's probably the second least important position on the line although you could make an argument that right tackle or right guard is the is the least important so in the end I think if you if you know 
going into the draft what position he is. If you know he's your right guard, then go ahead and take him. So if, if center and right guard are the two least important positions on the offensive line, should you even draft that in the second round? Well, yes, because the offensive line is still very important as a whole, and you can't have holes even if uh, those positions are the least important positions on the line. It's the unit, which is the most important unit on the field. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Now, I guess talk me off of the Ed Oliver in the first round because I was feeling great about both of these picks, and you did a good job of straying me away from the second round pick. Well, Ed Oliver is undersized. (laughs) And here's the thing about Ed Oliver. He gets upfield so quickly that he actually exposes himself to a lot of traps and counters, <laughs> which so is actually a true fact. Uh, but so it turns out Ryan Finley is your favorite pick among these three. <laughs> Thing about Ryan Finley is he's not very good. So um, I'm going zero for three. No, uh, Ed Oliver, that's great. If you were to get Ed Oliver and Risner, no one's complaining. Um, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's the most ideal thing to to take a player and switch positions right away. But if Mike Munchak signs off on it, I'm not one to tell him that he's wrong. With Oliver, it's it's sort of a Bradley Chubb situation because Brad, let's be honest, Bradley Chubb wasn't the perfect outside linebacker for the Broncos scheme last year, but he's so good and so transcendent uh, in that class that you just had to do it. And you said, we'll figure it out later. That's how you kind of feel with Ed Oliver is like, okay, well, he's not exactly the perfect fit um, as Andre has, has really pounded the table for um, as Andre has really pounded the table for the, the Broncos, John Elway and Vic Fangio both look for one thing specifically when it's, when they're drafting defensive linemen and it's length. Look at the length of Derek Wolf. Look at the length of Shelby Harris. Uh, look at the length of Adam Gotsis. All of those guys are long players. And the one that Andre would point out specifically would be Akeem Hicks in Chicago, who was a fantastic addition to that defense. All length players. Ed Oliver is anything but that. He is a literal just box of fire. <laughs> but he is a box. He is not, you know, a rectangle, <laughs> a, a lengthy rectangle. So, in my opinion, I don't care. And you just say, this guy gets up field with just an absolute, at an absolutely crazy rate, so let's just take him. But maybe the Broncos are saying, oh, we want a lengthy guy, and they want, you know, Jerry Tillery. Man, what did I say yesterday? The Broncos are going to go offensive line and defensive line in the first three rounds. And Mel listened to me. And did that, just got it out of the way in the first two rounds. In the trenches is so important. And the Broncos have tried to address the defensive line in back-to-back drafts when they went Adam Gotsis and Demarcus Walker. Uh, Bradley Chubb, obviously not true defensive lineman, but come on, he's on the line every single play. They made the investment there. On the offensive side of the ball, now you see John starting to put a little more investment. I mean, just made Juwan James the highest-paid right tackle. He, he drafted Garrett Bowles in the first round. So this makes sense, and it follows the plan. Uh, you just have to hit on these because in the past, they may have not hit on a lot of those investments in the trenches. And because you've made the investments and they didn't work out, you can't be afraid uh, of doing that again. So I like the recommitment to this. Uh, so f- philosophically... 
I really like it. Ed Oliver, like we've talked about, could have been the number one player on a lot of people's boards entering the season last year. So I really like that you get that potential transcendent talent at 10. And then Dalton Risner, doesn't matter where he is. He, he's a starter, so I really like that there. And you avoid the flash. You avoid the flash of a quarterback, and you avoid the flash of an inside linebacker. Um, but now that you're not so sold on this, I want to ask you, would you take this scenario, Ed Oliver and Dalton Risner, or PFF scenario of Devin White and Drew Locke? That's dumb because that's not a real <laughs> scenario, but I would take Devin White and Drew Locke. I would too. But I think it's closer than, than you think. Why are you so much why are you sold on that one? What do you I mean, there's no way Drew Locke falls to forty one. <laughs> you don't want to play the game? I'll play the game. I'm just saying it's not <laughs> happening. Because in this scenario, here's why you wouldn't take this one. You get one starter at potentially the least important position on defense. And your other guy isn't a starter. It's not the least important. Your other guy's not playing. No, it's the it's an extremely important position on defense because you need one right now. Well, how would you rank uh, the importance of positions on defense? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean inside linebacker is going to be the least important. It's going to fall down for sure. Um, I might say one of the safeties is less important. So it's 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 one of the least important ones. Yeah, I mean that we've known that since we you know since we started talking about this but again importance is also relative to what you have on your team obviously pass rusher is not the most important thing for them to get so that one's already off the board and that's the most important position on defense after that i'd probably say is corner they don't need that either so now you're you're getting to defensive line linebacker and safety and that's probably the way i would rank it so your top two on on defense right now are defensive line and linebacker because you already have the other two most important filled um drew i mean if you could get drew lock at 41 then it's a low risk proposition although you'd probably want to trade back up to 32 so you can get the fifth year option on him especially because you're not going to start him uh in this season so you can get a starter on the defensive line, a starter on the offensive line, but you still think getting just an inside linebacker and that's it is better. Well, no, an inside linebacker and a quarterback. Not for this year. I mean, you just said right, right, not for this year. Option. Yeah, but again, I'm not, I'm not all about win now. I want to, I, I want to have a good team. Well, I agree with you. I would take uh, Devin White and. Uh, Drew Locke there, and include Drew Locke, if you want to make this more realistic, include Drew Locke and uh, an additional second and third round pick in order to get Drew Locke in the mid-20s. I take that scenario because I'm not sold on Joe Flacco. I don't know how you can be completely sold on Joe Flacco after the past few years, and would it be great to get Dwayne Haskins in this? Absolutely, but that we know is not realistic. No chance of that happening in this scenario. Uh, and uh, Devin White, I mean, we talked about Ed Oliver potentially being transcendent player. Devin White has uh, a less of a bust factor than Ed Oliver. So you get a transcendent player with really no bust potential. That's huge. That's huge. And it's also looking past this year, which is so important to do in drafts, Ryan. If you go into a draft saying, 
all right, we're going to get four players that are going to compete this year. And if you're choosing guys based off how much they're going to impact you this year as opposed uh, to the rest of their contract that they'll have their rookie year or, or their, their rookie contract or how you project them 10 years down the line, you're going to hurt yourself being so short-sighted. All right, here's what I want to ask you because I don't remember what we where we were the last time we did this. Um, do you remember where we were the last time we did this? Because I already know you know where I'm going. What side of the bed did you wake up on today? Who are the Broncos taking? Do you, first of all, do you remember what we said last time? Because I don't. I don't remember what we said last time. How long ago was it? Feels like we do this once a week, but that I feels like we haven't done ago. it in a couple weeks. It was a few weeks ago, Ryan. I think last time we actually might have come on at Oliver. I think so. Yep, I think that's what it was. And man, this is crazy. I I didn't think I was gonna go back here, but I am. It's been this weird feeling since the beginning of the week when he was in town. I already know where you're going. When he was in town, just something in the air with Drew Locke being in town, Ryan. And if here's my biggest caveat with this pick right now, if he's available, if the Broncos draft Drew Locke at 10, at 10, that's how I'm feeling. How though? Joe Flacco is the biggest smokescreen of it all. So you just lied about Joe Flacco over and over again. Yeah. That's what you do with smoke screens. And in this scenario, when does he start his first game? Mm, I think they try their hardest to let to, to do Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith. So... And I don't think it works because I think the team is out of the playoffs, you know, with three or four games left. Wow. So you're out on Joe Flacco. <laughs> the Broncos are too. They spent a fourth round pick to get Joe Flacco. You cannot. He's making $18.5 million this year, which is nothing. You paid Case Keenum that money last year. Case freaking Keenum. It, you have no investment in Joe Flacco. And they've done a good job selling it. Joe Flacco, if Drew Locke is picked, doesn't make it out of week five. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. It could be. Because. That not shock me at all. This town already doesn't even like Joe Flacco. <laughs> it's not even like he can fall out of, gra- out of their good graces. And he's been sending free signed footballs to people here. This is, um, this would be crazy. And, in fact, if they did do it, I would recommend they cut Joe Flacco uh, on Friday if they draft uh, <laughs> Drew Locke on Thursday. It's just a waste. You're wasting $18.5 million if you do this. And if they did that, I would say, wow. All right, tip of the cap. You got Joe Flacco. You had an amazing smokescreen plan. I mean, from the second you got him, you were putting up the, the wildest of smokescreens. And, I mean, all the way through everyone in the organization – was it was on board with the smoke screens you had a plan going into the combine for what your message was going to be and the smoke screens you were going to send out there and in the end what you really did was you technically traded a fourth round pick to, to move up in the first round because i would be thinking of it as you convinced people you weren't going to take a quarterback so they didn't feel like they had to jump you so essentially you jumped you <laughs> and you traded a fourth round pick to get your quarterback i would salute them and I would take my L on um, falling for the smoke screens at the combine. On your way out? Yeah, take my L, <laughs> salute them, say, you guys got me. And 
congratulate them on a fantastic plan. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Broncos' plan if they didn't trade for Joe Flacco? Let's say another team swooped him and offered a second, and John said the value's not there anymore. What in the world was the Broncos' plan going to be? Because there wasn't uh, a Case Keenum and a Kirk Cousins out on the open market this year. They're going to trade up and and get Drew Locke, or maybe it was Dwayne Haskins or someone else. I don't know. And that's a long-term plan. Is a fourth-round pick a long-term plan at quarterback? I I just the started val- to view it as the Broncos really don't value as of right now they don't have to value Joe Flacco very highly at all. This was a fantastic safety net, a fantastic safety net, but they can still go do whatever else they were going to do. <sighs> I just I actually believe that they love Joe Flacco. And so that's just where I can't get on board with this. I actually believe they plan on signing Joe Flacco to a second contract. That's their be- In my opinion, that's their best case scenario. And that's what we call a smokescreen, Ryan. They've done a great job selling you. John has been the dealing Doug. He's gone back to his car roots and sold all of us on this. That's fine. I mean, I would cheer for that. Because I'm, it's not it's not that I'm sold on Joe Flacco. It's not that I think he's going to play at a high level for the next five to seven years. It's not that I don't like Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins. I just operate under what I think they're doing. And if that happens, I, like I said, I applaud. I tip my cap. <laughs> I grab my L. And I walk away. And I say, wow, you guys got me to talk incorrectly for two months. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but I, I don't I really don't see that happening um, for me if with the same caveat of if he's there I think they would go Devin White and if he's not there I think they would go at all at Oliver what if he's not there because and, and I'm not just trying to create an impossible scenario yeah, yeah, for that's, you that's possible but with what was it a week or two ago with Ed Oliver's fantastic pro day that he had there, there's a chance that he goes up the board. So, but can you give me a, a name that falls that, that normally I would say is going to go in the top nine? No one is there. It's incredible. Everyone's gone. <laughs> so Kyler Murray Who, didn't go number one. So let's go Let's go through this. Kyler's gone. Oh, okay. So he did go number Nick one. Nick Bosa's gone. Quinn yeah. and Williams is gone. Um, obviously, Devin Bush is gone. Uh, Ed Oliver's gone. So what's that, five, mm-hmm. six players? Um, Rashawn Gary's gone. Sure, yeah. He's gone. Um, Did you say Drew Locke is gone? Can't decide. One of the quarterbacks is gone. Has to be gone. Well, everyone's gone, so both of them are gone. Okay, both of them are gone. Then there you go. So. Maybe there should be one more player off the board. I don't. I just don't know who is on the board anymore. <laughs> <laughs> is that... Since no one's jumping out, I mean... I'm trying to think of the highest profile name, maybe DK Metcalf there, and no, I, I wouldn't like. I'd that rather have Marquise Brown there. Yeah. Um. I just, uh, if it's not D, if it's not a defensive guy right there, I think they would trade back. So I think they trade back, you know, as far as they can, probably to like 17 or so, and draft Jerry Tillery. Man, oh Devin Bush is there. Oh. 
still. Okay. I think trade back would be the move if all of that happens in front of you. I guess if people are reaching on quarterbacks, though, then other guys are falling. So I just, I guess we need to bring up a top, t- like a, a big board here. Why, if you're in love with Devin White, and why, if you would go Devin White, would you not go Devin Bush? Because Devin White's better than Devin Bush. But if that is a position of need that you've identified and you've identified the best one available and you've also identified the second best one available and worthy of a first-round pick, he's, he's that far of a downgrade for you from Devin, from Devin White? Uh, to me, he is. A lot of people don't agree with me there. But to me, he is not. I mean... How about this? Let's check. Let's. I. I just pulled up Andre's big board. You know where Devin White is on this big board? Five. Two. Mm. Number two overall on the big board, only behind, behind Nick Bosa. Wow. Ahead of Quinn Williams, who's at three. Um, we didn't mention Josh Allen, but he's not a, a candidate course, for the Broncos. Josh um. So, Rashawn Gary, Zach Allen is another guy with length. That you know could be there. Uh, the the defensive lineman out of Boston College. Um, I guess Jonah Williams would be there in this scenario. Byron Murphy. Tillery is the one I think to keep an eye on if they move back even more than Devin Bush. Um, I, I I want people to get more and more familiar with that name. I'm going to start saying it more and more and more because I think he's a real candidate. Maybe even at ten. Now that would be reach, but. I could see the Broncos falling in love with him. So, I think that it's going to be a defensive lineman or Devin White. If Devin White falls to the Broncos, throw a party. And you know what the Broncos haven't done with Devin White? Met with him. They haven't met with him or Devin Bush in an official visit. So, maybe that's maybe that's your answer right there. There's your smoke Who screen. the Broncos have not met with, and that's who they're going to pick. At some point, again, I just I go back to this every week. There's millions and millions of dollars being invested in each organization in this process. Wouldn't at some point you would have a guy who would go and look at trends? You know, the Broncos would hire a guy to look at trends of okay, what what's a smokescreen and what's not? Let's look at every organization historically, you know, the past five years, and see what they've done, what they haven't done, and try to make up uh, our board for them. And you don't do that for all 31 other teams. You do that for the three teams in front of you just to try to get an idea. Gosh, I would think at some point smokescreens wouldn't work if you do the same smokescreen every year. And the Broncos have kind of done the same smokescreen every year. They've done the same song and dance. I feel like other teams would be able to play along with their karaoke. It's pretty hard, though, to figure out, okay, of all the players they didn't meet with, who are they going to take now, you know? Like, you don't have any guide there unless your guide is just what do they need. But, I mean, once I mean, we know those top five guys aren't going to fall to the Broncos. When we talk about falling, it starts with Ed Oliver. Or, or I mean, it starts with Devin Bush or Devin White. And there's only like three or four guys who are really potentially in play for the Broncos at 10. Just look at that and look at recent history and, and uh, you know, talk to them, bring them in. And when you're talking to them, find out if there's been any communication with all these teams. And, and that's one of the great things about bringing these guys in is not only do you find out if it's a guy you like personality-wise, if he looks fast on the field when you work him out, if you like the work he does on the board, but you get to find out any information you want. 
And they may give you the Baker Mayfield treatment of, well, first off, I'm not going to meet with you. And second off, I'm not going to tell you these things because I know you're just trying to find out my weaknesses for when you play me or you're just trying to, to gather information for the draft. And I don't want to tell you that. But you know what? I bet a lot of guys get in these situations where they're surrounded by John Elway and Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak's right there. And they're asked a question that they don't really want to answer. It's probably hard for a lot of these guys, understandably so, to say, I don't want to tell you that, John. And you can gather a lot of this information. I just feel like I'm just so amazed that this process hasn't been figured out more with well, how many resources there are. I mean, it's, are. It's, it's like rock, paper, scissors. Like, you, you can think you know what the other person's going to do, but you never actually know until they do it. Give me, give me millions of dollars, and I'll figure out what you're going to do in rock, paper, scissors. I don't think you can, <laughs> because you don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do in rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and the broad, every NFL team shouldn't be in that position. Because, they should know what they're going to do. Because I've also spent millions of dollars trying to figure out what you do in rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and so as we are about to unveil, I'm basing my decision off what I think you're going to do. You're basing your decision off what I think I'm going to do. And with my million dollars, I'm just hiring better people than you are. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll give you an unlimited budget to try and figure me out in rock, paper, scissors. Good. And I only uh, play rock, paper, scissors seven times a year. And I need the money in my account deposited before we do this game. All right. <laughs> I bet. And then you got to double it if you can't beat me with mm. all of your research. Why only seven times a year? Because that's how many draft picks are in each season. Mm. <laughs> I'm just talking about the first round. I'm just talking about yeah, I the, play one round of rock, paper, scissors every year. I'm just talking about the three or four picks in front of you. That's it. It's easy. I don't think it is. <laughs> Obviously, it's not. Because, like, we spend our whole... We don't get millions of dollars to do it, unfortunately. <laughs> we spend our whole year following just the Broncos. And even we, it's hard for us to get it right. I did get it right with Garrett Bowles. Like you said, though, we're just millions of dollars short. I don't think giving <laughs> us more resources would help. I'd hope Although it I would. I guess we could get a we could get a membership to Cherry Hills Country Club. Mm, get, get paired our, up with John. Get our game ready for the Masters. God, I love I love the Masters. I loved it too until this bomb cyclone came by and it just made it not feel like Masters time anymore. But now it's gonna it's gonna carry me out of it. This actually helps me because I normally get full on Masters fever, and I end up like playing on Sunday and just missing the whole the whole thing <laughs> because I'm like I have to play golf right now. Yeah. Um, but this is good for me because the courses won't be in shape, so I can't play this weekend. Who do you got? I also have many other things. Who's your winner? I picked four. Mm. Let me pull them up here. Um, and rock, paper, scissors, you only get one. It's true. Well, <laughs> who do you think I'm taking since you're the, the master of this yeah, game? I, my bank account still is waiting for the money. I can't give my secrets away. I've got my four are Rory, mm. Ricky, Brooks Kepka, and Tony Finau. Ah, I like that. I'll go Tiger Woods. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, I golf hopes he's right. <clears throat> or I'm right. I, I'm well aware of Tiger's transgressions and... I think he really messed up in a lot of ways. Um, I I don't know. I can't help it when I'm watching him. I just want him to. I want him to kill it. That's. I feel like how everyone is, and I I don't think anyone would disagree with you about all the off, uh, off the course 
at things that he's had, but it's he's so much. It'll be fantastic for golf if he's in it on I think, Sunday. I think he's gonna be. I watched his first three holes. He piped his drives all mm, all three of them. He's up. feeling it when he when he's hitting fairways. He's pretty hard to beat. I hope it's a red Sunday. It's always a red Sunday. <laughs> all right. Um, is that enough? Have you had enough? So Devin White is the pick. If he's there, and you've got your lock. If he's there. <laughs> we'll change this again uh, shortly. Yep. All right. Well, before we move on to the questions, I want to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. And you already know what it is. It's Strava Craft Coffee, the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's even helped decrease anxiety. Whatever it is, you name it, this CBD-infused coffee uses all natural and non-psychoactive ingredients, from CBD, of course, and the coffee is rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and they'll ship it straight to your door. As is tradition, we move on to the questions. Do you have the first one there for us? I do. First one coming in from Sausage Senga Harry says... I read in an article today that the rookie trio of Lindsey Sutton and Freeman accounted for 46 of Denver's yards from scrimmage last year. 46? That's what this says, yeah. <laughs> okay. 46%? 46%. Oh, uh, I'll say the percent of Denver's yards from scrimmage last year. The most ever by a rookie trio with 2,574 yards combined. Assuming Elway and Fangio go defense heavy in this draft, how devastating would it be if this trio all hits the second-year slump? Will Flacco and Scangarello offset this? I am one concerned sausage. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. <laughs> uh, Harry Sausage. Uh, <laughs> the the second-year slump isn't really an NFL thing. That's more of an NBA thing, um, an MLB thing. And I don't really know if it's an NHL thing, but usually you get the second year jump. It's the opposite of the second year slump uh, because you're coming into like right now. Think about this. One year ago, Cortland Sutton didn't know what team he played for. Didn't know what the playbook looks like. Did not uh, know who his quarterback was. Didn't know where he was going to be living. Had no clue where he was going to be living. Didn't know what his clothes should be for that city. He didn't know anything about what his life would look like one month from now. Right now, Cortland Sutton knows exactly what his life looks like one month from now. He knows exactly who his quarterback is. He has his house in place. He has his family taken care of. He has everything in line. And he's already working out with the team. And with the quarterback. It, you, are, you should take a second-year jump. If you don't take a second-year jump, it's kind of scary. Now, I think one person who may be in line for a quote-unquote sophomore slump would be Philip Lindsay because he just bursts onto the scene. It's almost like um, you know a pitcher that comes up from the minors and teams don't have scouting reports on them, and they just get torn up by this guy because they didn't know what to expect. Or you know, vice versa. A guy gets called up at who's a hitter, and the pitchers don't know how to pitch him yet, and they throw him a couple too many fastballs, and he hits like 17 home runs in his first two months, Reese Hoskins. Um, <laughs> and then they figure him out, and they start saying, okay, don't throw this guy's fastballs anymore, Trevor Story. So you have to have the counterpunch. We talk about the counterpunch a lot. And Patrick Mahomes is going to have to have a counterpunch this year. Philip Lindsay is also going to have to have a counterpunch this year. But the offense is going to have to be Philip Lindsay's counterpunch. 
Look, Philip Lindsay just can't beat it. He's not going to be able to beat eight-man boxes that have their safeties down. But that's one of the reasons they wanted to bring in Joe Flacco. You can't have your safeties down against Joe Flacco, or at least teams prefer to not have their safeties down against Joe Flacco. And if this offense can help fill out, then he won't have a sophomore slump. But even then, he to get 1,000 yards last year, how many yards of 40-plus did he have? How many runs of 40-plus did he have? Six, seven? Yep. You can't count on those. So whether he gets those is a little bit of luck. There has to be a defensive player out of position for him to get that, you know, to get those runs. Um, so a thousand, like if Phil hits a thousand again, it'd be a, a fantastic accomplishment. If he hits eight fifty, I'm not concerned about him. Right with Phil, I mean, he's he's. I would expect him to come down to earth, even if he averages, let's say, five point four yards per carry again, which would be unreal. That would not be coming down to earth. It may be best for the Broncos if Royce Freeman goes from 500 yards to to 700, and Phil goes from 1,000 to 850, something like that. That that may actually be the best for the Broncos in the end, just because you know what Phil's playing in Week 17 uh, and playing in that first week of the playoffs that that, that you hope he is. And uh, but let's say these three guys all do have a second year slump, which I agree with you. You you described it perfectly. A second year slump is not something that should happen in football. Let's say it does happen. To answer Harry's question, they're in trouble. Big, big trouble. 5-11, and 6-10, and 10, yep. all over again. Yep, because then not just – Joe Flacco won't just have to pick up the slack. Who's he going to be throwing to to have any success? Because you're, you're telling me there's no running game uh, or the running game is now below average. Uh, you're telling me that his number one wide receiver, who we just found out is the number one receiver, is bad or I shouldn't say bad uh, – Cortland had a great rookie Sophomore season. Sophomore slump means he has less than 700 yards. So let's say 500, and he's oh, your number one receiver. He's got chills. Is Emmanuel going off for 1,800? No. That would be the only way where this offense is okay. And if this if this offense isn't anywhere close to average, Joe Flacco is going to be bad. Yeah, Harry, there, there's worried for your or there's reason for your sashes to be worried. <laughs> Oh, my God. From two true champ fan 24. Couple quick hitters, he says. First, hashtag team two hole. <laughs> Second, running is miserable. I had to do a 5K run every morning when I was a wildland firefighter if we weren't on a fire. Jeez, man. Thank you for doing Absolutely. that. Um, third, y'all ever try spam? Fourth, also here for two-hour pods. Can't get enough BSN. Have you had spam? I have not had spam. Have you? Me either. No. So I think this is a first. <laughs> you know what? Um, I have seen some dishes that include canned ham, which is what spam is, and they look really good. Um, there's like a Hawaiian style rice with like pineapples and canned ham that's fried up in there. Yeah. I'm not against it. I'm up for it. The shelf life thing is concerning. <laughs> Um, it doesn't look appealing. I bet you it makes a really gross sound when it comes out of that can. <laughs> like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> but I'll still, I'll still eat it. I would definitely still eat it. So, uh, what's, what's the uh, the paste we've been talking about that you put on bread? Oh, Vegemite. It's Vegemite butter. <laughs> we need to. We just apparently need to take a trip to Australia to get some Vegemite and stop in Hawaii on the way, pick up some legitimate spam. spam. I think Hawaii also has some weird things you can eat. I'm down to try it. 
I think there's to be more seafood, right? Um, I don't know. Also, then in Australia, I just remember this. We like studied Australia in third grade or something. <laughs> there was like a a delicacy which was just like a bug, like a like a like a caterpillar type creature. Okay. You gonna eat that one? Is it is it moving? I want to say it was called grub. Grub. That's like a. Uh not a Nemo thing, but that's that's in like some movie. I feel like is so is it, it's a, it's dead though. Yeah, I think so. If we if we go down to Australia, I'll certainly eat that. I'll certainly eat some grub. <laughs> is your search coming successful? Witchetty grub. Witchetty, no <laughs> way. <laughs> the witchetty grub is a term used in Australia for the large white wood-eating larvae of something or other. The grub is most impo- is the most important insect food of the desert and has historically been a staple in the diets of Aboriginal Australians. Mmm. Interesting. You in or out? I'm in. We're going there. I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. I knew it was like a. I I, I couldn't remember the word of um the aboriginals, aborigines. aborigines. It sounds appealing. <clears throat> it doesn't. <laughs> but I'll do it. I'm gonna set them up for anything. I I guarantee you, some of our Australian listener, uh, listeners are gonna chime in and be like, "No one eats that here." <laughs> right. <laughs> uh. Anyways, he goes back to football. We've talked at length a couple times about Cravens or Parks playing linebacker if need be. However, I feel Jamal Carter would be better suited in that position if Denver has to convert someone. Safety depth seems like it leaves Carter on the bubble. Y'all keep it up. You don't understand how amazing you are, even if Ryan eats Hot Pockets. (laughs) I haven't had a Hot Pocket since I lived alone in the early months right after I graduated college. That makes sense. Yeah. That completely makes sense. I didn't have a stove. Actually, I I did have a stove. It was one burner. Ooh. Uh, I had a microwave. My only fridge was a mini fridge. <laughs> and I didn't have a dishwasher. And my bed was in the kitchen. <laughs> a little studio? It was a 175 square foot studio. Oh my gosh. No way. Yeah, maybe 180. Wow. That's a hotel room. Smaller than a hotel Smaller room. Smaller than a hotel room. That's impressive. So how did you freeze... The hot pockets. The top of the the top of the mini fridge was a freezer. So you had like four spot for four hot pockets. I had a spot. For, here's here were the f- things I had in my house, <laughs> my quote unquote house. Hot pockets, deli turkey, bread, milk, and cereal. The essentials. That is what I had for every meal. You could have you could have replaced a ham with spam. Could have, I, I could have put that in the pantry. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> ne- next time you live in a 180 square foot place, think of that. Got to tell you, absolutely loved it. Loved wow. every second of it. Wow. Only time in my life I've ever lived alone. It was for like six months. Yep. It was fantastic. Man. The other funny thing is uh, it was in Boulder and it was the, I was the last one of my friends who's still living in downtown Boulder. Everyone had kind of either moved back home right after college or moved to Denver or whatever. And anytime anyone wanted to go out in Boulder, like I had a party (laughs) in my house that was the size of this room. You had a party on your bed. Yep. Exactly. Maybe a party in your bed. Maybe sometimes. (laughs) How did we get here? 
I don't remember. I have no idea. Uh, what do you think about Jamal <laughs> Carter converting to linebacker? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, we love you, True Champ fan. Oh, hot pocket. Jamal Carter to linebacker. He can do it. Yeah, I mean, just like True Champ fan said, if anyone can do it, uh, it's him. He's big. But you don't have him fully convert. I mean, I, I don't see that happening. I would. I mean... If I were Jamal Carter, I'd be bulking up to do that because I don't think he makes the team as a safety. And I think DeMonte Thomas really proved enough last year to where if they're keeping an extra safety from that group of, you know, undrafted guys, it's going to be him. Well, the question is, do the Broncos draft a safety with plans of keeping him on the roster? Because they lost Darian Stewart, so that opens up a spot. So who would your backup safeties be? Let's say starter Will Parks, Justin Simmons. Backup DeMonte Thomas. Yeah, I guess there is a spot for Jamal Carter because Sue Cravens is essentially mm. on his level right now that's who it is he has to beat out sua cravens he can do that he can but i guess it just depends on what you do at linebacker if you don't address linebacker then you kind of have to convert him <laughs> or keep sua cravens there's no way they don't address linebacker right no they don't also i've been uh looking I, i'm sorry for not remembering who brought him up but i've been looking more into jermaine pratt the dude from nc state yep he'd do just fine <laughs> what third round second second i think second maybe if you got lucky in the third and kind of a safe guy at 41 if you need to fall back on someone because there's a run at that position or a run at a position you were looking for five picks ahead he'll be there yeah mr freeze chimes in and says fried spam with butter on toast is a delicacy i can eat about once a year if you can only eat it once a year is it good it's it means it's good it's just not good for you Mm, yeah i guess fried spam how could it be bad if you fry it? How could anything be bad if you fry it? <laughs> exactly. Fried witchetty grubs. <laughs> I'm in. Um, at least that's what Wikipedia called them. <laughs> All right, Mr. Freeze with a bit of a novel here. You or me? You got it. All right. You're on a roll. LA has two Super Bowl appearances thanks to evaluating current talent in the NFL. Most of the dynamic players in the Broncos have had these last few years uh, dynamic players the Broncos have had the last few years have not been homegrown. This last draft seems to be the first real promising draft of LA's tenure. I think they really need to bring in some college talent evaluators. Their front office is small, and I think they need some new blood. Hopefully Fangio and Scangarello can help accomplish this. So it seem to you guys like April came up really fast this year. Usually I feel like the draft takes so long to get here, but this year it's like it snuck up on me. Yeah, it's just because there's been no offseason. So there's been no time to breathe. There's no time to think, okay, it's March. There's one one month until April. That's how it's been for me, so I completely agree with you. For me, I think I always have had something to look forward to, whether it's a Nuggets game, an Avs game, mm-hmm. the Rocky season starting. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rocky season OTA ending. OTA starting, whatever it is. Like, There's always like a, a point in the week where I'm like, ah, I'm looking forward to that. And that's not going to slow down. Like like I said, when I looked at it, and I'm like, holy cow, the, the Nuggets might not even be out of the first round, and we're already going to be in the draft. And to me right now, until I saw that, I felt like the draft was a ways away. Yeah. Yet the Nuggets start the first round on Saturday. That's wild. That is wild. And to address uh, the uh, Elway's staff, yeah, something needs to happen. I mean, I, I totally agree. It needs to grow. It just got smaller this year. It did get smaller. And John's a guy that likes to keep it small, but... Boy, I agree with you, Mr. Freeze. Help yourself out. Why would you not? I mean, be a boss that compiles information, not a boss that has to do every single task. Yeah. Um, 
when I took the job at BSN, I was I was covering the Buffs, and I was so it was my baby. Mm-hmm. I was so attached to everything, and so I didn't I didn't want to hire any help. <laughs> yep, and. I was just like, ah, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Well, finally, I ended up hiring Jake Shapiro, and our coverage got so much better because all of a sudden I was able to have Jake work on something while I worked on something a little bigger or whatever yeah. it was. Um, you know, we doubled our coverage after games. It, you, it's okay to delegate. Right. And I totally – I can relate to the feeling of not wanting to delegate, mm-hmm. but once you do it, you will, you will feel free. I heard some rumblings, just rumblings, that maybe some changes have already happened. Well, to me, that tells me that they're... They're not real changes. Exactly. It's, you know, Matt Russell goes from uh, director to... uh, or associate director to director. Or vice president of player personnel. (laughs) And I hope that's not the case. Now, Mr. Freeze will find this out officially after the draft. That's when when Elway... That one little presser before where we never learn anything, we might be able to learn something about it then. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But and typically if they're going to fire someone, it's after the draft. So if any changes come that way, I don't really expect any people to leave. You just hope they bring people on. <sighs> you got it. I mean, it's not as if you are bereft of resources here. <laughs> it's not as if you're strapped for cash and you can't afford to hire another person in the front office. Yep. Do yourself a favor. Hire a young guy. Hire a 27-year-old podcast host <laughs> who happens to be a great talent evaluator. <laughs> do something, man. Do something to, to give yourself an advantage. Why would you want to do more work with less people? You like Kyler Murray? Love him. Nah, sorry, you can't join the front office. Damn it. <laughs> Anyways, he goes on. I get... My draft hat tomorrow, which reminds me of the ratings I saw for all the draft cap. Someone rated Denver's in the bottom five, saying that it was plain and unoriginal. I feel like one, some of these writers are out here just write whatever they want without doing any research because it's lazy. One quick Google search, and you can see it's a take on Denver's city flag. They even offer the hat in the same color scheme of said flag. It's much more personal than the Raiders trying to use the American flag on their hat. Where do they get off? Attaching the Raiders logo to the American flag is one st- small step between <laughs> below burning the American flag. I did see uh, the Packers hat, which you said was garbage. It's complete garbage. Yeah. It's I don't know what it's playing on. It's ugly. Just, it's just those colors. Yeah, they're so bad. Green and yellow, green and gold. It's all the same. They're all <laughs> terrible. <clears throat> on the subject of coffee, he said, well, let's talk about this real quick. I saw one that ranked uh, the Broncos hat number three. Out of all of them. Three best? Yeah, three best. Yeah, I guess you just have to know what it's referring to. Yeah, it's it's some national person shouldn't be ranking all these hats. It's all about how it resonates within the city. Yep, exactly. But uh, I, I'll be honest, it didn't resonate as, as well as I thought it would. We knew within the media room who was from Denver and who wasn't. We certainly did. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> all right, he goes on. On the subject of coffee, I may have said this before, but you have to try adding a pinch of salt to your coffee. Mm-hmm. It cuts out the bitterness and acidity. My mom puts butter in her coffee and has for a long time. I can't myself. I can't bring myself to betray my arteries like that. <laughs> Man, I feel like we're we're gonna start getting the comments of people just lying to us. Oh, you gotta try this. It's great, just to make us try it and be fooled. I've had like um in the days where I could just consume as much sugar as I wanted. I had like a salted caramel latte. Mm. That was good. You know what? The first time I ever had a salted... I love caramel. 
the first time I ever had a salted caramel, it was overdone with the salt. It turned me off. It, it turned me awake. I'm just too afraid that I'm going to have something sweet and it's going to be like salt. It just ruined it. Yeah, I had um, salted caramel ice cream once. That, that's what it was. Was it from Little Man? It, uh, I don't think so. Maybe. Okay. I had it and... and no disrespect to little man. I just felt like I was licking a stick of salt. I, that's that's what it must have been then. Yep. And I just I haven't been able to go back. Yeah. I'm not big on it either. And it might be just because of that. <laughs> also with ice cream, ice cream already makes you thirsty. Yep. Adding salt to it is too much. All right. He goes, hot hole take. A hot hole take. <laughs> say, <laughs> say you shoot a hole in your foot and it goes all the way through. You wouldn't say I shot two holes in my foot. It would be one hole with an entrance and uh, an entrance wound and an exit wound. I stick to my take about the hole being the cavity itself or void. Speaking of hot hole takes, I asked my girlfriend what she thought of uh, hashtag one hole, hashtag two holes. And she's first thing she said was not appropriate for work. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny because we actually talk about it on the pod every day. <laughs> what team was she on, though? Um, she... Uh, just bounced around just as much as I did. Ugh. She was very strong on one end, and then I oh she was team uh, one hole, and I said, well then what's a cup? How many how many holes does a cup have? She said, well one, and I said, well a straw has two holes, and and then like a straw has another hole. So I did, and she couldn't she couldn't describe it. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one. <laughs> I just what if a hole? What if a cup doesn't have any holes? Actually, here's what she said. She said. What's the gain for deciding if a straw has one hole or two holes? <laughs> After I confused her. Oh, way too measured. Way too measured in that take. What if a cup is just a, uh, a concealed area with no holes? So then it's not a cup because then it can't hold anything, right? I'm saying what if it's... <laughs> look at this shape I'm making. If it's oh. built from the bottom up, it has no holes. It's just an right because it's not. <laughs> it doesn't close in any way. Yeah. So it's a bowl. It's a, what like think of a U. Does a U have a hole? Does a bowl have a hole? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> not. Interesting. Does a hole have to be created? Can the hole be inherent in the shape? Mm, at what point does it become a hole? Right. At what point is a hole conceived? Who knows? <laughs> what came first, the bowl or the hole? <laughs> I'd say the bowl. So yeah. I'd say there is no hole. No holes in a bowl. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bowls, oh. Elroy Jetson comes in with a cereal take. He says, Jif cereal and brown sugar maple mini wheats are my go-to. There's, is that a peanut butter cereal? It must be. I've never heard of that. Me I either. mean, I know Jif peanut butter. Straw. Zero holes if it's working. So the, they're saying the straw came before the hole. Yep. It's a tube. By definition, it's an open-ended cylinder. Okay. Draft hat. I'm not from Denver, but I love it. The alternate color one I've seen for sale is not my thing, though. I, I haven't seen that one for sale, but you can't put red on a Broncos hat, and there is red in the Denver City flag. Ooh, that's what it is? It's red and what? Well, they said it was the traditional flag, so mm. it would be red and blue. Right. With the Broncos thing instead of the yellow sun. You got to be cognizant of other teams. Yep. I mean, this, the the Chiefs have an entire stadium of orange seats. That is weird. So there's <laughs> that. Um, 
He goes on, football. I'm still hoping White falls to 10. Seems like an awesome fit. I'm not enamored with Haskins or Locke, but could come to terms with it. I played defense in high school and always loved a strong D over a flashy offense. Can't wait to see the results, though. All right, John Elway chiming in as uh, Elroy Jetson. Um, Yeah, that's... Elway Jetson. (laughs) I mean, that's the way this team is being built. It has been for a while. Yeah, and that's, that's how John believes you win Super Bowls. He had the great 55 touchdown Peyton Manning. All right, before we finish up the questions here, I want to tell you again about my good friends over at Weinster. If you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to become a mature, refined adult, or if you just really like wine, that's also acceptable, you have to check out our friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, while you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping costs. Oh, and as I mentioned earlier, you got to love Weinster because it's founded by three CU Boulder alums. Sign up today with the promo code BSN25 and get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster. Uh, and the stories behind some of these wineries are really cool. When I was uh, hanging out there, in Chicago, I got to learn a little bit about some of the wines we were drinking, and they were like, oh, this one, I, I wish I could remember the terms, but they are like, this one, the people that started this winery believe, like, you have to, like, bury things in certain areas <laughs> of the winery to, like, to, like, succumb the wine gods to make the grapes better, like, all sorts of, like, that's cool stuff to know about what you're drinking. It's not just like, oh, yeah, like, some factory just smashed a bunch of, of grapes and put it into a barrel. I can tell that you've been using Weinster because I, I have a few friends that are really into wine, and that's what they talk about. They talk about the background stories of wine. I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out if this is red or white. Yeah, I mean, once you become a mature, refined adult, <laughs> you start to care about things like, did they bury a goat skull mm. in the northwest corner of the winery? I hope not. You never know. <laughs> if the wine tastes good, maybe they did. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any any animals harmed in the making of the wine. But honestly, it's it's kind of cool to know this stuff. Like, it's yeah. to me, it's like... Knowing whether or not your podcast host has had a hot pocket. <laughs> it's the deep, it's the important stuff. It, it makes you feel more connected to the product. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, let's get on with uh, the rest of these questions here. I'll let you go first. Next one coming in from Micah Pexa. He says, whatever happened to Marquette King? I know he didn't punt well for us last year, but from what I've heard, he was hurt. Then we released him. Didn't wait for him to get healthy or put him on, on IR or anything. I feel like there is some backstory that I missed. Was he a problem off the field or in the locker room somehow? Man, I have never changed my tune on a player as fast <laughs> as I did on Marquette King. I was team Marquette King when he got here. I was like, let this man be himself. Yep. I don't care that he's a punter. What does that have to do with anything? He should be able to dance and celebrate and do whatever <laughs> he wants. And then... Uh, spend spend some time around him 
started talking to people that know him and man the guy was just kind of insufferable yeah and he wanted to make all of our lives insufferable yeah he got worse and worse after he had the feud with the fan and his social media like i for sure unfollowed him on social media he was making like weird videos and yeah. his music was terrible. Here's the type of guy he was to the media and I'm sure it bled into the locker room in some way. He didn't want to talk football. He literally said I don't like football. Yeah, and so he didn't want to talk about it. He wanted he'd want to talk about the Broncos. He didn't want to talk about the rest of the league. He didn't want to talk about himself. If you had a question of oh, uh, not even a bad question. How did you kick that ball in practice 70 yards? He wouldn't want to answer it. So you had to talk about things like wine. That's what he wanted to talk about. Those are great, fun stories to have in addition. That can't be who you are. You can't not like football and be a football player. Yeah. And I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, from the players to the coaches to the front office to the media. And so he was technically put on Oh, and by the way, he sucked. (laughs) Exactly. He was not the player that they thought he was getting. Uh, I think we apologized to John Gruden because we bashed him for the decision, and turns out he was right. Um, But uh, they did put him on on IR, but if you're going to move on from someone who's on IR and you know that, you can just settle with them and they can go their own way. So that's what the Broncos did, and it was probably good for both sides to go their own way. It was my least favorite saga of last season. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. it was just annoying in every way. Way too much punter stories. I think that to be successful. Like, that's where he went wrong. And I don't even know if he's ever gonna get another job again. The punter cannot create drama. The punter can't be feuding with media members. He did have two visits this week. I don't remember to who. I think one of them was Jacksonville, so that would make sense. Works out for them. <laughs> Good for him. Um I hope they enjoy his shtick. <laughs> From drop switch which Marquette King might have needed a drop switch. Maybe he would have punted the balls better. Uh, he says, hey, guys, what type of beer should the offense and defense be? I would say the offense which should be a lager, and the defense should be a dark stout. Hmm. Dark stout. The, the offense certainly has to be something light. Pilsner, lager. Light and fast. Yeah, like 4-2, fo- like you know, 4-2%, 4-2 speed, something like that. Sounds like it's going to take a while to work. <laughs> Probably. Exactly. And the defense, it does carry that that big punch. Well, let's think. The offense, it's conservative. It's <laughs> deliberate. It's sometimes risky. Hmm. I, I, I guess not sometimes risky. I'm, I'm just thinking of like down the field, like aggressive. But that goes the opposite of conservative. Bush light. That's not good. <laughs> I was thinking like Corona. Isn't that okay? Okay. It can be dangerous. I like at times. that. I like that. If you throw the lime in. Yeah, throw the lime in. Gives mm. it a little extra something, something. But really, maybe in a the, better Mexican beer because Corona kind of sucks. Ah, like but really, in the keys. end, it's really in the end, it's average. Corona seems below average to me, okay. unless so it's yeah. like blistering hot. We can and go you Dos Equis. Don't have anything else. Pacifico. Yeah. yeah, Pacifico. That's a good one. It's a great Mexican beer. There's some great Mexican beers. Corona is not one of them, in my opinion. That's where that's where we top off the Pacifico. All right, it's a Pacifico because you can throw a lime in there. It's light. Yep. Um, 
you know, it, it needs a little ac- something extra to yep. make it taste great. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's move <laughs> over to the defense. The defense. See, a dark stout feels heavy to me. It does. I don't. You don't, like, you don't want the defense to be heavy. So you know, you know what it is to me. It's a Belgian triple. It's like nine and a half percent. Just punches you right in the face yeah. on your first sip. I was thinking like a double IPA. Yep. Yep. Um, something that's not like heavy in nature, right. but strong. Exactly. I'm not really a dark stout guy anyway. I only I only drink white claws. <laughs> so what's that? Your punter? Is that Wadman? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Light, healthy, <laughs> low in carbs. So you a returner? I don't know. I don't know what the what the claw gang represents. <laughs> Gotta say, man, it it kind of sucks having your drinking options limited on keto. As weak as they are, those things taste pretty darn good. Oh, they do, man, and they're easy. And there's no sugar or anything. It's not like you know a, a oh. smear off ice where you're drinking like a girly drink that's just full of sugar. White claws, no no sugar, good flavor. And then now they have them at ball games, right? Yeah, like you can get those those things everywhere. I mean, you want to? It doesn't fill you up the same way a beer does, right? Have you ventured out and tried the other brands? No. There's a whole I, world out I'm there. All for you about to brand loyalty. <laughs> and that was the first one you ever stumbled upon. So and there I liked you go. It and I never stopped. Like there you go. I still wear Nike all the time. Yeah. Um, you won't see me with any computer <laughs> or phone products unless they're Apple. Yep. Call me basic, but. I, uh, you know, I just, I fall in love with brands and I never, I never betray them. Nothing wrong with being a BB. Wow. <laughs> All right. Final one here from Tokyo Bronco. That's got to be a first. There we go. That's awesome. Yep. I don't know if we've heard from Japan before. We've definitely heard from China. Yeah. Awesome. He says, Hey, Ryan and Zach. First off, I'm a long time listener and just finally taking the leap to become an annual subscriber. I'm still kicking myself for not doing it during the contest. So I could have scored a, f- a t-shirt, but in the end supporting this program is what matters most. Man, that is too cool. Really appreciate you. I want to bring up the subject of whether or not Coach Fangio will coach from the sideline or the press box, uh, but more specifically, the latter. If NFL rules allow one player on offense and one player on defense to have a radio in his helmet, wouldn't him being in the press box be an advantage? Thinking about it, you not only have the advantage of Coach Fangio giving that from the air perspective to the other coaches and coordinators on the field, but in addition, the quarterback and most likely the inside linebacker, at fir- uh, at f- oh, he would also be able to talk to them. First, I was nervous about the idea of a coach who technically wouldn't be on the field at the end of the game to do the handshakes, but I think I could get past that. What benefits do you see from a scenario where Vic is communicating with not only the coaching staff, but also the players from the press box? I never thought about how he wouldn't be on the sidelines to shake the other coach's hand. You'd be surprised how fast they can get down there at the end of the game. Uh, it's really true. I, I know how they do that. Yeah, it's because it's, <laughs> it's at our expense. <laughs> yes. Um, now, can you communicate from the press box to a player, or does it have to go to the sideline first? Right, like who is talking, who is – because Sean McVay talks directly to Jared Goff from the sideline. Right, from the sideline. Can I'm not sure if it can go from the booth to a player. It may have to go from a coach in the booth to a coach on the sideline to a player. I'm not positive, though. I don't know either. Uh, I actually think you can talk directly from the booth, but – you're right it just depends on who you assign the headset um 
because what right when you said that I realized McVeigh does it McVeigh does it from the sideline so you could do that with Vic either way so if it can go straight from the booth to a player I think that's a tremendous resource and I and I think that's why Vic's been so good is because he can see it all unfolding and then relay whether it's directly to a player or to a coaching staff on the sideline relay what's going on I mean I'm I'm all for just Vic coming out right now and saying I'm doing this the way I've done it. I, just like you said at the press conference, I was brought here to keep the defense great. So I'm going to make sure the defense stays great, and I'm going to call the plays. Well, do it how you've been doing it, Vic. Zach, would you draft Dalton Risner in the first round and move him positions? No. <laughs> then why in the world would you invest in a head coach and move him positions? <sighs> I'm hoping that just initially he's like, okay, I got to be the head coach. And maybe this wasn't something that him and John talked about in the interview. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure that's John didn't care about that. He was hiring him regardless. And Vic just said, well, yeah, of course, coaches coach on the side. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And that was his initial answer. I hope he reevaluates that, thinks about it again. Let me ask you a simple question. What's more important, optics or winning football games? Winning football games. So forget about the optics. Who what cares? even are the optics? They can shake hands in the damn tunnel. What are they? You did so, John did something different when he hired Vic Fangio instead of going with Zach Taylor and offense. Every other team went offense this year, except for one. Yeah, the uh, Dolphins hired Dolphins. Brian Flores. Every other team. What, six other teams went offense. John Elway went old and went defense. It's different as it could be. You're not afraid of being different? Be different with this. If the Broncos start losing, I'm blaming that. So they just <laughs> should have that uh, in their minds. Yep, a, a 10-9 game when they lose, it's the defense's fault. They would have got they would have got that stop on the game-winning field goal drive. Yep. If they could have seen what was going on <laughs> from above. I just hope that he takes a step back and says, "What am I doing? Let's do it this way." And then you know what, if that doesn't work, I need to be on the sideline, then I'll go to the sideline and try it. Give him the booger mobile. <laughs> and let him just cruise the sidelines with a joystick. Man. Wonder if there's a rule against that. Probably. It seems like a technical advantage. That and you just couldn't terrible do. for fans. <laughs> that should not be allowed. Yeah, uh I went to no I saw a picture um from one of those games and it was terrible. Just they have because don't they have a TV on the back of it so the people that it's blocking they just have to watch the game on TV. Yeah, because I went to a Sunday night football game as a fan, but that mm. that didn't interfere. Yeah, it's literally just a TV on the back. You paid all that money to watch a TV. <laughs> I, just put him in the box. Just put him in the box. Yeah. Why? Honestly, that should have been from day one, because yes. now it's going to be a story either way. Yep. The story should have been on day one. Vic Fangio says coaching from the sidelines is overrated. And everyone would have said, okay, I like it. Confident. Yeah. Now it's going to be all oh, the Broncos are wavering <laughs> and Vic Fangio's uncomfortable and just wait if that happens in week three of the preseason, then it's a huge story. Especially because the week three of the preseason, you're looking for stories. <laughs> exactly. Especially when you have a Hall of Fame game before. You got to remind. It's kind of a weird time to talk about it. I just I really want to ask John if if it would be a possibility at all. Right. Because I have a feeling he would say no. Yeah. But if he said yes, that's a story. It is. All right. 
Any buzzer beaters? No buzzer beaters. No buzzer beaters, which means we are out of here uh, today on the BSN Broncos podcast. We appreciate all you guys for tuning in, everyone who leaves their comments. Uh, and the Avs start their playoff series tonight, so make sure you're following our coverage on bsndenver.com. It's going to be really exciting, uh, and, and go Avs. But before I officially let you go, I want to tell you about Live Well. Live Well Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Member of Live Well's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every single day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all of the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell, L-I-V-W-E-L-L.com slash BSN. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's getting me down, waiting for you.